Are you interested in a life in ministry? Are you passionate about the church and how it functions? Do you not get enough of listening to pastors on Sundays? Well, you're in the right place. This is Under the Fig Tree, a podcast for people who are interested in church work. I'm Ben. And I'm Micah. We are two pastors who work at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Join us as we dive into the vocation of pastoral ministry, dig into scripture, and occasionally talk about other stuff like our unquestionable love for the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, we'll be talking about Star Wars. We'll talk to guests about doctrine, traditions, and what makes someone a good candidate for the pastoral office besides being called by God. And we may just help you figure out if this pastor or deaconess stuff is for you. Again, this is Under the Fig Tree from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? And welcome back once again to Under the Fig Tree. I am your co-host, Reverend Micah Glenn, the director of recruitment here at CSL. And of course, I'm joined by my great colleague, Reverend Dr. Ben Haupt. Uh, ben, uh, how has life been treating you lately? Things are all right. Things are all right. We had a, a major snowstorm that we all survived. And yep. uh, now barely. spring is, yeah, it's barely. Um, you you were looking out your window <laughs> saying like, whoa, look at it out there. Didn't go outside for days. Um, right. It was it was too cold even almost for me. And I, I enjoy snow and cold. But uh, now the spring is is uh, coming upon us. And, and so that's a that's a good thing. And uh, yeah, we had had lots of time to uh, sit inside and watch good TV shows during the uh, during the last couple of days. So that's that's what's going on at the Haupt House. Yeah, nice. Yeah, like on days, like it's St. Louis is interesting. And by interesting, I mean crazy. Like, you know, like if if it's too cold for the the snow to melt, like it'll snow in St. Louis a couple of days, usually gone. So snow sticks around for a week or two. It's really cold outside. Uh, But then it'll go from that, from like, you know, potential disaster to 65 degrees within a couple of days. And you just get used to that kind of like, you know, hectic weather in st louis it's just it's just our way of life does it reflect in our personalities maybe sometimes but you know we get through it (laughs) we'll let our we'll let our listeners figure out if we're uh if we've spent too much time inside an old old movie that is always fun is uh the shining (laughs) it's not quite that bad not quite (laughs) that bad been uh cooped up for too long but uh every once in a while that movie comes comes to mind yeah but but i did uh go for a walk down to colleges today without a coat uh so that's a that's oh, a, a sign of life i begin wearing a coat or, or at around 40 degrees people so you know that's what we're talking about <laughs> so so if it's been nice out have you been barbecuing at all oh man so exactly for the, the first weekend in a while we didn't have a uh, freezing temperature and so uh, I, I carved out a little path uh, out of the snow because, you know, my backyard is kind of shaded. So the, the snow hadn't really melted yet right. out to my grill. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where uh, Dorothy did the grocery shopping and she bought a couple uh, uh, a, a pack of spare ribs, a couple racks. Yeah. That's the word I'm, I'm looking for. So, yeah, put them out on my old uh well i don't want to we're not sponsored by any grill makers yet uh so <laughs> so no name dropping but yeah i threw them out on the the good old offset use a little bit of uh cherry wood 
I like to rotate my woods. I think my favorite right now is pecan. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's not a, a local wood. Uh, so, you know. We have a barbecue snob here, folks. <laughs> Keep Listen, going. I'm all about being a snob. <laughs> you just, it's just, I, I call it acquired taste. Yes, uh, yes. So or having yeah, a taste. I've got my uh, a barbecue rub that I try not to alter. I've got it pretty honed in, uh, especially for pork. Um, so yeah, I gave, gave him a good little dusting. I like to use hot sauce as a binder. I know a lot of you people like use mustard or yellow mustard. I don't think it does a lot to the taste. I, I, I really don't. I can't really taste the difference between mustard and hot sauce. So I just go with hot sauce because it feels different. It's like my little, my little thing that I do. Um, and since it wasn't too cold, they they cooked relatively normally. I had them out there for a few hours, you know, clean clean off the bone kind of bite. Mm. Uh, nice and tender, good smoky flavor. Yeah, man. Uh, People are getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. So it's from, been a from, while since I had a a, a rib from from you. It, it's been a while since <laughs> since I've been out there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We need to we need to to um, well, we need to get some of our listeners in, and and I'm telling you, we need to have you barbecue for for folks. If there's anybody that's kind of on the edge about coming to Concordia Seminary or not, eat a Micah Glenn rib, and you'll be you'll be hooked. I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're moving through different shows and and different shows on on Disney Plus. We're getting into different seasons. Uh, what's the new show you've been been watching? Yeah, so we we've uh, just recently watched through uh, the the season of WandaVision uh, from Marvel, and yeah. uh, you know for for those that haven't seen it, the basic idea of the show is that um, each of the episodes uh, kind of mirrors a, a show from a, a classic sitcom from like the fifties, sixties, seventies. Uh, 80s or 90s and then uh 2000s or 2010 most recently there was a an episode that uh drew a lot from the office as well as uh, a nice episode or a nice uh um a nice little uh, i guess easter egg to uh stranger things uh which is another uh big favorite of mine i'm re-watching that with my older son right now who's a teenager so um, I would say Stranger Things is not a show for young kids. Neither Probably is not. WandaVision, really. Um, uh, but but not not uh, not rated R or or awful. Um, but but what I love about WandaVision is, um, and and my my son noticed, you know, Dad, the he said, as the episodes go, uh, you kind of see Wanda's. Uh, kind of mental well-being breakdown yeah and she goes from this kind of real perky and everything's great to uh you kind of track with her through the the 90s and 2000s to the point where she's completely almost uh disheveled and she's kind of let herself go and we had an interesting conversation about this because uh i don't think this is just about wanda and her person her person in the show I think it's also a larger commentary on what's going on in our society. So if mm. you look back at the shows in the fifties where everything is great and, you know, June and Ward Cleaver and, uh, the beaver, 
uh, everything is is great. And Eddie Haskell is just this easygoing, uh, you know, like they don't have anything bad going on in their world. And then you look at what's going on today and how shows are really t- tackling things that have always been part of the human experience. But right. now shows, I think, are much more realistic about the struggles and challenges of not just life in the 21st century or something, but the kind of the human condition. Yep. And and so we we had a really interesting talk about uh, I think WandaVision is a, a really interesting take on uh, kind of a, a take on culture and where we're at in our in our cultural moment. I mean, after the pandemic and uh, this this kind of brutal politics that we've encountered and uh, just all kinds of uh, things going on in our country, it's a it can be a kind of an overwhelming, very stressful time for people. Yeah, we've we've been watching it as well. And I remember when it debuted, uh, me and my wife Dorothy were watching it together and, and she she couldn't finish it. She she found the first episode so cringy. And she's like, What are they doing? And I was like, and I'm thinking like, you know, Avengers Endgame and, and the consequences of time travel, that maybe this is they're starting some alternate uh universe, which kind of seems like uh where Loki is gonna head. Uh yeah. if you haven't seen the previews for that. And then, you know, so she stopped watching and then I started, I kept watching and I got to like the third or fourth episode and I was like, I was like, you should, you should go back and watch it. Cause like, I was like, it's cringe, but it's like, like once you understand why it's so cringy, right? Uh, because, you know, there was a whole snap, uh, Wanda, you know, experienced what she experienced with vision and then, you know, the whole mental breakdown and yeah, like you said, you get it we're getting kind of a picture of her psychological condition at the moment of, you know, loss and pain and not having space or outlets to deal with it or manage it. And it's like, man, and I, yeah, I, well, I, I guess I won't drop too many spoilers, but, but like after the, the most recent, one of the, the recent episodes, Dorothy was concerned about the kids that uh, Wanda and vision have. And she's like, you know, yep. asking questions about that. And I was like, I, I have zero answers for Keep you. Keep watching. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, it's a yeah. It, even my my wife uh, got got into it, and it took it took a couple of episodes, but then she was kind of hooked. And um, and I think that part of it's just because as you get into the '90s and 2000s, I mean, there is they are really playing on a lot of popular tropes in, in popular culture and popular shows. And so it's kind of fun to watch them uh, wrestle with all these things and wrestle with the, the issues that other shows from other decades have, have wrestled with. Yeah. Well, uh, in a completely different direction, but using uh, the same terminology, uh, there's an episode where, uh, you know, WandaVision is like this television type thing and, and they've recast her brother Pietro who dies in a different Avengers movie and she says, what are you doing here? And he says, you called me here. Uh, so today, sort of under the fig tree, uh, we're going to begin to scratch on the surface uh, the idea of the call, meaning your your call into holy ministry, uh, the call to be teachers in our church are called DCEs uh, and what that means and, and what goes into that type of uh, not that type of stuff what goes into being called into ministry and, and kind of these 
little distinctions uh, that exist, and they exist for good reason. Uh, but yeah, this idea, uh, this reality that you, Ben, have been called by God, uh, provost and a faculty member at Concordia Seminary of St. Louis, and I've been called by God uh, to be the director of recruitment for Concordia Seminary of St. Louis uh, and the importance of that. So, uh, right, to begin, uh, I'm going to read one of my, one of my this, 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 this text from Acts is just a little gem. It's a jewel, and I think there's so much packed into these uh seven verses and, and you can you can read whatever you want but for today's purposes we're going to be looking at uh, the call process in acts chapter six which really is, is reflected in the way we call people into ministry today uh, so acts chapter six beginning at verse one now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the hellenist arose against the hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Yeah, there's just a ton uh in those those verses and uh, listeners if you've been following uh pastor glenn or micah uh and and listening to some of the presentations that he's made he's he's talked about these verses uh at the national youth gathering the most recent 2019 national youth gathering um and there really is just a ton uh to talk about in these verses but i think especially uh for for this discussion of the call is uh, first to recognize that, and I, I like to point this out, I talk about these verses a lot in uh, our introduction to preaching class because we talk about who are you to preach the word of God to people and what authority do you have yeah. to preach the, the word of God to people. And so we talk about the authority of the word and the authority of the call and uh, what that all means. Uh, so one thing that I love to point out when when we're in this introduction to preaching class is that um, the apostles recognize that the the twelve can't do all the ministry to all the people in the world uh, from from here on out. They will they need more workers, um, and so they they recognize that and they. And so they are the ones that say to the rest of the Christians um, in verse three, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. That's one thing. So good reputation. People speak well of them. Uh, sometimes this even comes down to a vote. Sometimes congregations will vote for who do we want to call. Yeah. Um, and, and it has to do with this kind of person's good reputation is very subjective. It it it's, has a lot of different people weighing in on that, so it's kind of a human thing. 
Uh, but it's not just that. Uh, also full of the spirit and full of wisdom. Uh, so people who are uh, strong in the faith and and who uh, certainly are baptized, uh, by which uh, we receive the Holy Spirit, um, and 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 are full of wisdom. They've they've been thinking about the things of God, maybe even studying uh, the the things of God. Uh, so so it it's interesting that to me at least that the apostles don't say, "Well, pray about it," and and you'll all like get this miraculous vision. Uh, God could have done that, I suppose, uh, but but they didn't lay that down as here's how it's always going to work, that God is going to write letters in the sky or God's going to give everybody a certain feeling. Uh, they don't lay down any kind of rules like that. Instead, it's it, it comes down to Christians pick from among you. People yeah. who have these characteristics. I think that's a that's a fascinating thing that the apostles set up um, as the way that we would call people into ministry. Well, and it's the the same thing we do today. When a congregation uh, needs to call a new pastor, it's, it's very commonplace for them to get together as as a voters assembly uh, to go through. Uh, not necessarily they're not applications we have documents set in place uh that are standard across the board for all pastors uh, that we all fill out that they can go through uh they can have an opportunity potentially to interview a person to hear him preach uh, and then they together collectively say uh, we want this guy to be a pastor and, and they go through the process of calling him, send him call documents. And at that moment of receiving those call documents, that person, uh, that man is called uh, to be the pastor of that congregation. Now, <laughs> it, it doesn't always just, just because you're called doesn't mean you accept the call, uh, but, but you are in fact called. Uh, and, and we have a, a, a good process uh, instituted already in our church of determining who who can be called uh and then of course congregations who can do the calling as well uh because again this thing this call that we keep saying you'll, you're going to hear this word a ton of times in this this podcast today is it's not something that we've just made up off the cuff uh something that is instituted by god and through the holy spirit god is still in control of the call process yeah yeah, that that uh, it's not so. So on the one hand, uh, sometimes our call process in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod looks like a human thing, right? right. So uh, a, a group of people will get together on a call committee, and they will they will talk about a, a whole bunch of people, and then they'll pray, of course, uh, but then they'll they'll vote or they'll discuss, and they'll they'll make a decision, and then they. They send the pastor those documents that you were uh, kind of referring to after looking through all of his different uh, answers to various questions, and they'll extend somebody a call. Um, and and so somebody might ask, well, how is God involved in that? Is God involved in that? What does that What does that mean? Um, and and so I like to. Um, take people from Acts chapter 6, where the apostles laid out this uh, in verse 3, pick pick from among you people who are good, uh, men who are good of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom, and then 
we, the apostles, will appoint them to this duty, will lay hands on them. Um, so that that sounds, again, like this very human sort of thing. But in, in Acts 28, as Paul is gathering uh, the elders in Ephesus together, uh, who were presumably chosen in the exact same way, who were people of good re- repute, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, uh, when Paul gathers together these uh, these elders, he reminds them that the Holy Spirit made you overseers of the congregation at Ephesus. And so uh, Lutherans will often talk about God working through means, um, or even sometimes we use this great analogy that Luther came up with, and it really works in the pandemic era, and that is that God uh, sometimes puts on a mask so that you can't see his face, and he uses... uh, he 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 does his work, but he's kind of veiled. It's like he's got his his mask on, and not only is he not um, necessarily uh, passing along his breath, but we we don't see his face at all. He's got a mask on, and so God's work is veiled in the the work of a call committee. And yet, as Christians, we recognize that God works through means. That Paul says, you know, these people that were chosen. Uh, Full of full of good repute, the the Holy Spirit wisdom, that the Holy Spirit used those things to make those people overseers. Uh, so it's both a human uh, process, but it's something that God uses. So what does this have to do with uh, with our our listeners? Let's make it real real practical. Uh, so um, how how should our listeners be thinking about this in regards to people who are who are thinking about pastoral ministry or who are thinking about uh, becoming a, a deaconess someday. Yeah, no, that that's good because uh, there there's a, a very uh, distinct line between uh, my desire uh, to begin to pursue ministry. Uh, some might call this an internal call to ministry. Uh, and, and this can come about uh, from a variety of different ways, which is, which is why we don't use this as the determiner to who becomes a pastor or a deaconess or teacher in the church, right? We have uh, different ways of producing that. But nonetheless, for me personally, uh, back in 2009, uh, a long, long, long time ago, right? (laughs) Uh, I had been uh, working with youth in my congregation. People had begun to express to me that that maybe I had gifts to this, and then I had a, a desire to act upon that confirmation from other people telling me that that they think I had gifts to begin to pursue those gifts. Uh, and so I, I went and, and finished a bachelor's degree. And then after getting a bachelor's degree, I continued to pursue that desire to the seminary. Um, and I, I spent five years here studying theology, uh, being formed, uh, learning how to care for people in a pastoral way, learning how to preach, learning how to teach uh, scripture and things like that. And all of that work was then confirmed in an actual call uh, when I was certified by the seminary to be a candidate for ministry and then actually received a call into ministry by a congregation uh, for uh, to, to be a pastor in the church. And so uh, that internal call was, was just a motivator uh, for me to begin to pursue uh, the things that I had to do within our church body uh, to become a pastor. 
but I wasn't actually called into ministry until somebody with the authority, the church who called me, uh, actually called me into ministry. Uh, this idea that, and Ben, you already brought this up, the authority, you know, it, we we have a process and it does look very human, but the authority to create that process was given to the church by Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so we can trust it. Uh, we, we know, again, the process of itself, we have a really good process of doing it uh, that, again, really mimics what we see in scripture where, where people look around and they say, oh, this guy has the qualities of being a pastor. We want him to be our pastor. And as a congregation, they do it. And then they give the authority uh, to the pastor to, to exercise uh, what we call the office of the keys for them. Yeah. And so, so um, I, I, I love that. And I, I think we will in the future explore a little bit about, uh, especially Matthew chapter four, where Jesus calls the first disciples yep. and uh, there's, there's rich theology in Jesus calling disciples to follow him who eventually become apostles. And also Matthew chapter 16, right? Where, where Jesus institutes the office or begins the office of, of ministry of the office of forgiving people's sins. Um, so, so um, we'll talk about those in in some future episodes. But I, I think to come back to what you were saying about the internal call, uh, somebody might might even be saying, well, what what do we mean by internal call? And I I think the way that I would define internal call is this sense somehow, and that you can I think somebody could arrive at this from a variety of different ways. But yeah, this sense that they they're feeling. It's an internal thing, right? It's about mm -hmm. feelings um, or about kind of their mind and their thoughts. Um, it comes from inside of us. And it's this feeling or the sense that I think I might be called or being called to church work or to pastoral ministry or to become a deaconess. Um, and and I, I want to say on the one hand that, that that's a really important thing, obviously, uh, this whole podcast is specifically geared toward people who are beginning to sense that hmm, maybe I might be uh, somebody who should be considering uh, studying for for ministry. Uh, the the verse from First uh, Timothy three verse one comes to mind. The saying is trustworthy: if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So. The scriptures say it's a good thing yeah. for somebody to have this kind of internal sense that, hey, I want to aspire to that. I I aspire to become a pastor or uh, I, I aspire to become a deaconess. That's a good that's a good thing to serve God's people in that way. Yeah. That's a holy thing. And we want to uh, we want to encourage that and and say um, we we want people to uh you know, develop in that. And yet there's this really important Lutheran uh, kind of emphasis. Um, the the uh, Lutheran rapper Flame has has uh, recently been talking about this and using this phrase extra nos, right. um, which means outside of us. And it's this sense in Lutheran theology, and this is not just about the the call or ministry. This is also about 
justification. This is about salvation. How God God works, right? Is that God brings his word from outside of us to us in something like a pastor preaching the word to us or uh, delivering the the sacraments to us or baptizing us. So when it comes to the call, um, it's really important that these people outside of us in the congregation uh, pick who they want to be their pastor. And and uh, CFW Walther, the founder of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, has has talked about this. I know that you've you've uh, recently spent some time reading some of his things. Yeah. Uh, how, what does he say about some of this kind of stuff? Well, you know, it, it the call is is so important. Uh, especially the people choosing to call. So, you know, these pastors in, in Acts chapter 6, uh, in particular amongst the Hellenists who are called to become pastors for them to make sure that they're cared for. Eventually, I'm sure they they probably preached, uh, did some teaching. When they gathered together, probably administered the sacraments and things like that. You know, those normal things that, that pastors are, are called to do. Uh but the the specificity of the actual call, uh, the divine call from a congregation to a person is so important and so specific that you're just a pastor there. Yep. Meaning uh, I'm not a pastor of St. Louis because I'm called to Concordia Seminary St. Louis. I'm certainly not a pastor of the LCMS. I'm a pastor in the LCMS and I'm a pastor who works for Concordia Seminary. But but that authority doesn't extend over other congregations because they haven't called me to become their pastor. Uh, so so I have no right, and it would actually be an evil thing for me to go to a local congregation without the authority of the person who actually holds the call to that congregation to preach or teach or do anything uh, that a pastor should do because, you know, that's that's what evil people do to, to mislead others. And so – and that, that's really – if you look at the what we call the the pastoral epistles, the two Timothy letters and Titus, and all of these kind of really general but very good uh, requirements for the office, that that being above reproach is is such an important thing because you know you have this authority from God to preach the gospel again, to preach His word, uh, to administer the sacraments, things that come extra nos. Uh, to discipline, right? Uh, Walter has a lot to say about uh, church discipline and, and how it should be exercised, uh, like excommunication and things like that. Shouldn't just be done by a pastor, but should be should involve the entire congregation uh, because it's such a serious thing. Because what we're dealing with is is literally life and death, not mortal life and I mean not a physical life and death, but like actual life and death. Uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a deep responsibility, but but like. Uh, you just said, Ben, it's a noble task, uh, and it's it's not something that should be taken lightly. But it but it's something that I think people can well not obviously that we can aspire to. That you can see your pastor up there, and you can see what he does for people. You can see your deaconess and and her her mercy ministry and things like that. And be like I I want to do that. I want I want to help people in that way. And that's I. I would say that's that's kind of that internal call of just seeing the thing and be like, man, I, asking yourself, I wonder if I have what it takes to do that, and then and then you begin to pursue that, and who knows, uh, you you could be like us uh, someday. I, I don't know if that's where you want to set your standards, but, but uh, here we are nonetheless. So I, I have a I have an analogy. So um, 
so here's the here's the basic thing that the internal call is good it's good to have a sense of what i want to do someday but it becomes official when the people of god actually call you to be their yeah. their pastor or they officially call you to be their deaconess here's the analogy so so in college i had um there were there uh, was at least one girl uh I, I really two that um they told me hey god told me that i'm gonna marry you someday and i was like oh wow um my first <laughs> thought was uh yeah, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> did not get the memo. <laughs> I did not get that memo, and and um, I I certainly didn't feel the same the same way, and uh, so they they felt internally like they were being called to marry me, but um, I also had a say in this, and I didn't marry them, um, and and I think that they've uh, they've had fine lives. I didn't, I didn't ruin their lives or anything like that. Um, I, I eventually, uh, chose to marry Selena, um, and, and she chose to marry me. Um, so, so I think the, the analogy is it's one thing to say, I kind of really like this thing. I, I really like the idea of being a pastor, but it's a whole different thing to stand up in front of a pastor and, uh, for, people to say I do and it, for it to become official. Mm -hmm. And so um, you might have, as far as dating goes, um, you might have a couple of people that you're, you feel kind of internally called to, uh, you really like, but it doesn't become official until you're standing up in front of the people of God saying I do. That's kind of the, the way that an internal call and an external call uh, for, for ministry work. Yeah, of course. God, we have a, a sovereign God. He He reigns and rules and in, is in control over all things. But but He's not a puppet master. Right. Uh, he He doesn't have us on these strings, forcing us to do things on a day to day basis. Can He stop us from doing things He doesn't want us to do? Absolutely. He's done that to His creation many times. Um, and, and if He didn't want us uh, going down the path that we have as a church. I, I think by now uh, we we would have figured that out. Things wouldn't be going right. Uh, the gospel would be tainted uh, with all types of nonsense, uh, and people wouldn't be uh, nourished the, the way that they are. Uh, you know, it's it's one of the arrogant things of well, probably every church body has this arrogance, but maybe it's just a little more pronounced in Lutheranism that that our theology is right, uh, and, and you know. For all the right reasons, we don't back off of it uh, because it, it's it's faithful to to what God has given us through His Word, and, and just just again like the whole puppet master thing and the and the church having the authority to create rights and things like that. You know, in this text, uh, the apostles prayed and laid their hands on men. There, there's no divine uh, order for us to do. To, to practice laying on hands. We still do it at ordination all the time where, you know, pastors from around your area will come to your ordination and celebrate with you. And we, we lay our hands on each other. We give some little advice or scripture or something like that. But, you know, when, when Jesus was passing on the Holy Spirit, he breathed on the disciples. Well, I don't, I don't want anybody's bad coffee breath blown in my face during my ordination. Right. But the laying on the pants, we, we've created that, but it's, but it's for all the right reasons. And it, it's, 
with all the right authority as well. That right is is a good right, uh, just like the the process of of how we do the call is also good and and maintains good order and structure in the church. Yeah. So in in other words, Jesus didn't create this like. 25 step uh, formula for right. uh, all these different things that have to happen. And if you don't say the incantation correctly, that, uh, you know, the magic isn't going to work and, and you're not going to, um, you know, perform your, your spell. Um, maybe I'm speaking to the, the <laughs> Harry Potter fans out there. Great, great show, but that's, that's not, uh, that's not how, how Jesus sets up uh, people getting into the office of the Holy ministry um the the ministry of magic uh, it's not the ministry of magic um it is not so so yeah so in other words um jesus gave uh, his church the the ways of doing things i also like to often take people to acts chapter 2 because sometimes people get this notion well you know the way the lutheran church does it uh where it's all this kind of external call and it's congregations getting together to vote, everything. That seems kind of unholy. And so maybe we should um, do what what the apostles did when they were trying to fill the 12th uh, seat of the apostles uh, when they called Matthias, it, where they chose lots. They somehow um, rolled dice or uh, something something like this. We know a little bit about how lots work. But the crazy thing is that nowhere else in the rest of the scriptures, in the rest of the New Testament, after the choosing of that that last apostle, nowhere else do the apostles get the instruction that they're to use lots. Yeah. Instead, what, what happens, uh, Paul tells Titus in, in Titus chapter 1, the reason that I that I let you stay in Crete or kept you in Crete is so that you would go around and appoint people to be pastors. So so again, it's it's um it's Paul as a human being saying to Titus, uh, a fellow servant of the word, uh, go around and work with congregations and get people uh, called and established in the office of ministry. Um, and yet, again, Paul can say the Holy Spirit made you overseers. So right. I really do think that the this this theology of our call and the way that we've set up the call process in the Missouri Synod, it's not just uh, according to tradition or what works best or something in the church. It's the good order of the the New Testament and what Jesus gave us to do in calling people into the the ministry. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, again, just following the example we've been given, but from Acts chapter 9, when Paul is on the road to Damascus and has, you know, his event with Jesus, between that and uh, the beginning of his ministry, there is a time where he goes to Jerusalem to study the gospel, to learn more about Jesus before he's sent out into the world to, to, to preach the word of God. And so it, it's one of those things where like, you know, again, it seems complicated. It seems like a long period of time, but trust me, like five years of spending hours upon hours of, of studying God's word. Uh, so you can go out and, and preach is barely enough. <laughs> uh, yep. Like the ask a, ask a somebody who's six months into their first call, how, 
how equipped they were for their call. And so some guys will be like, oh, man, I wasn't quite ready for this, even after a year of Vickers because the responsibility of the call is on your shoulders. But then ask them like five years later. So uh, there's there's one thing of studying God's word. And then there's another thing of, of practically going out and doing it. And so we, we do all of this to prepare people for, again, the task at hand. Uh, I, I know people see their pastor maybe just once a week for an hour. Um, but man, there, there's been hours upon hours and, and re- really years have gone into that moment on Sunday where you hear him uh, preaching or teaching. And uh, because, again, this thing that we're doing is, is so important. Yeah, I mean it's it's like um the the oh remember that Jeff Foxworthy bit about the the uh, doctor the me. doctor comes in and I'll ride with you though. I know who <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy is, but you know, I didn't I didn't grow up listening to him. I'm not from Indiana. Fair fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. I am a Hoosier uh through and through, both the St. Louis uh version and the Indiana version. Uh, there are different meanings of Hoosier and I probably fit all of them, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So not everybody knows who Jeff Foxworthy is. He's um, like uh, if you're a redneck guy, though, right? He's the if you're a redneck guy, or, or the I think he's got a couple of shows now, the Bible Challenge and some okay. of that kind of stuff. But he he tells this joke that you know um, you, you don't want the the doctor who comes in and he's kind of making fun of of people with a a a, a slang, but. He's talking about the doctor that says, now, what we going to do is we're going to, uh, you know, do a we're going to take our chainsaw and cut the top of your head off. Uh, <laughs> so you don't want a doctor that comes in and no offense to people who are from the south. I love people from the south. And the Foxworthy's point is that uh, we shouldn't judge people uh, and the way they talk from the south. But but his his greater point is nobody wants a doctor who comes into the doctor's room and and you get the sense that he has no idea what he's doing and he's going to perform brain surgery on you. You want somebody that really knows what they're doing. How much more for uh, somebody in, uh, in, the, in the church when we're talking about the salvation of souls, uh, you are talking about how long it takes to study. Um, we're we're only talking about somebody's eternal salvation. Right. So um you don't want to mess that up. You don't you don't want to get in there uh kind of rooting around in somebody's soul and um do some wrong things, say some wrong things, and there are eternal consequences for how the word of God is spoken. So uh as I'm even even talking with fourth year students who have had two years of classes, and they've been out on a year of vicarage, and now they're in their fourth year, uh, that's not just a hoop to jump through. As no. as someone that that has already spent a good amount of time in a two different parishes being a parish pastor, uh, there are a lot of times where the fourth-year guys will say something, and I'll be like, ooh, hold up, that it's much more complicated than that. Um, and And so... It's really important that um, we we don't just send people out kind of uh, shooting from the hip and trying their best. Um, this is the yeah the salvation of people's souls that we're talking about. So studying is uh, an important part of that. 
Yeah. And uh, and of course, one one last quick point from the text is, is ministry is contextual. You know, these Hellenists, uh, they're a different people group. And, and the apostles could have picked people that were Hebrews to oversee the Hellenists, but they didn't. They let them pick from amongst themselves. You know, in studying studying a year in England, I got the opportunity to preach a few times. Well, preaching in England, the gospel is the same. The word of God is the same. The style is different. They communicate differently. My wife is British. And and even now there there are some communication barriers not barriers per se you know we've been married long enough to where we're past that but you know my my kids call chicken sandwiches chicken burgers you know I've I've lost that battle but but those type that type of thing matters and so you know even within the United States from East Coast to West Coast from North to South to Midwest uh, and then you you think about the context of the world. Uh, you know, this is why we need different pastors. We need people from different places. We need deaconesses from different places around the world uh, because, you know, communicating this rich theology that we have to people is such a challenge. And finding the right words to say can sometimes be complicated. Even even the right social gestures uh, can be taken differently in different parts of the world. Uh, so if you're one of these people... Uh, listening to the podcast and and you have that internal scratch maybe this is something that that i might want to pursue someday or maybe it's something that i've been thinking of a lot of uh recently talk to your pastor talk to a teacher that you know talk to another church worker uh, reach out to the seminary we have tons of resources and information that we can give you uh we, we promise to try not to do like the fire hose uh approach and just dump a, a ton of stuff down your throat but but if it's something that's on your heart and on your mind, uh, begin to pursue it. And you won't know for sure uh, if, if this is the, the path for you until you, until you do it uh, and then eventually receive a call. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Well, listeners, we will uh, be back with you in uh, another episode to talk a little bit more about the theology of the call uh, some of these texts that we mentioned, uh, continue to um, seek people out. Talk to your pastor, talk to a layperson, uh, talk to uh, a friend, talk to a parent, and um, continue to have conversations about all this. And uh, we promise that we will keep on uh, bringing some some conversation to you. So God bless you as you continue to listen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Under the Fig Tree. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus shows his followers how to care for his people. Oftentimes, this includes sharing the word in intimate moments of personal conversation like the Samaritan woman at the well. At other times, it's sharing the word with crowds like the Sermon on the Mount. Sometimes, it's just being there for people when they are experiencing the worst moments of life, like when Jesus was there for Jairus when his daughter died. It's gathering his disciples around a table of bread and wine to hear this is my body, this is my blood. Whether it's as a deaconess sharing the word with the sick, or as a pastor preaching the word and administering the sacraments, being there for people at these intimate moments in life is something that Jesus is calling many more people to do. In Under the Fig Tree, we want to bring you into these moments with us, and maybe you begin to see yourself in one of these roles or feel yourself being called into service of the church. If you want to find out more about what it means to be a pastor or deaconess, visit us at csl.edu. And of course, keep listening to Under the Fig Tree.